This is America's Roundtable from Washington, D.C., an initiative of the U.S.-based think tank International Leaders Summit in partnership with Lancer Broadcasting's 2FM radio stations in Michigan and the Midwest and Supertalk Mississippi Media's 12 radio stations in the South. We thank you for joining us on America's Roundtable. I'm Joel Sami, your co-host, joined by Natasha Sardorj, economist and co-founder of the International Leaders Summit, and our distinguished guest host, Governor Phil Bryant. America's Roundtable from Washington, D.C. brings together leading voices from business, government, media, technology, and the public policy arena. Subscribe to America's Roundtable on Apple Podcasts, Amazon, Spotify, and Fireside. Visit iLeadersSummit.org. iLeadersSummit.org. This weekend on America's Roundtable from Washington, D.C., we're delighted to have Charlie Waymers, a member of the European Parliament for the Sweden Democrats, joining us from Strasbourg. He sits in the European Conservatives and Reformist Group. He serves on both the European Parliament's Foreign Affairs Committee and the Civil Liberties, Justice, and Home Affairs Committee. We extend a warm welcome to Charlie. Good morning to you, Charlie. Good morning, Charlie. Good morning. Great to be uh, with you again. Thank you so yeah. much. Charlie, this past week, we heard the fiery words of Xi Jinping of China, who on the 100th anniversary of the founding of the Chinese Communist Party, sent a warning to the West. He stated that China will not be bullied and that anyone who dares to try, and I quote Xi Jinping's words, I quote, We will never allow any foreign force to bully, oppress, or subjugate us. Anyone who would attempt to do so will find themselves on a collision course with a great wall of steel forged by over 1.4 billion Chinese people, unquote. Now, the official English translation of Xi's speech left out this very graphic reference to heads cracked and bleeding. According to media reports in the West, the speech has been characterized as defiant and fiery. And for the record, as we all know, the U.S. State Department's Human Rights Report, globally released in March 2021, states that genocide and crimes against humanity were committed by China against its mostly Muslim Uyghur minority in the western region of Xinjiang. And on the other hand, China's culpability in the spread of the COVID-19 virus is an issue, its cover-up, and its full block of the investigation of serious concerns for all of us. Charlie, what is the response from the sovereign states of Europe, such as Sweden, Netherlands, Germany, and France, when they read the defiant statement from the Chinese leader Xi Jinping threatening the West, and as a leader representing Sweden and the conservatives in the European Parliament, will the European Union and its stakeholders begin to take the China threat seriously? Well, if uh, China wants to be treated with uh, respect, it, it better stop acting as a bully against other nations, such as Australia, such as many countries who have uh, been lured into debt traps in the hands of China. Europe has a very ununified approach to China right now. We have the uh, president of the European Council, that is the body that represents uh, the governments of the member states. Charles Michel, he uh, warns Europe for picking sides between China and uh, the United States. Uh, we have several European governments that have been um, very uh, prone to establish closer ties with the People's Republic of China. On the other hand, uh, we now see that despite strong efforts by 
Chancellor Merkel and President Macron, France and Germany, to strike a free trade deal between the EU and China, Europe is waking up. And uh, it seems as the European Parliament is not ready to ratify that deal that was struck at the end of 2020, which was a very timely date to do it because um, it was in the transition between the Trump and Biden administrations where sort of uh, Merkel and Macron took their chance to get this through. And I hope that this situation will will drag on for a while longer because uh, eventually I think that it will lead to the death of this trade deal, uh, which would be in the long-term interest of of Europe. Maybe not short-sightedly in the interest of some European businesses, obviously, have invested a lot of capital in China. Uh, but in the long term, we have to realize that the only way to, to promote an economic model for the, the world is one that builds on transparency, free markets, good governance. And that is in sharp contrast to what China stands for. And uh, I've seen um, U.S. economists proposing a trade NATO. And I think that's a, a very interesting thought. I think that uh, EU leaders should leave the thinking of, of Monsieur Michel of standing in between the U.S. and China and instead think of how we could work in a constructive fashion to promote the free world. And if you look at uh, the 15 uh, largest democratic trade partners of the People's Republic of China. They represent 45% of Chinese trade. It would be a, a very powerful tool to counter this uh, assertiveness, aggressiveness of China under President Xi. And I think it would also defend the interests of sovereign small nations such as my own, Sweden. I mean, if we stand alone, we are susceptible to coercion, to Chinese efforts to bribes, either decision makers or civil servants or professors, the way they do in the Balkans, for instance. So a trade NATO would really be a great thing. And I, I will try to um, sow a grain in, in Brussels for that. Charlie, let me briefly address another issue with China. Uh, U.S. taxpayers are funding various projects in the countries which on the other side are paying communist China to build infrastructural projects. And the level of corruption in those countries is very high. And my question here is about Croatia, which is a NATO and EU member and receives the World Bank's funding, which is also received by EU taxpayers and the U.S. taxpayers. So Croatia's judicial independence was ranked 126th out of 141 countries, rated the worst within the European Union and failing further behind non-EU member states, including Russia, Ukraine and Serbia. In the previous year's report, Croatia's judicial independence ranked 120 out of 140 nations reviewed. Now, EU taxpayers are providing a grant for a bridge in Croatia, a bridge to nowhere, being built by communist China's state-owned China Road and Bridge Corporation. And the sole purpose of this $420 million worth bridge in southern Croatia is to avoid a 12-mile stretch of the land road through Bosnia and Herzegovina. Charlie, who should be held accountable for this grave abuse of EU taxpayer funds? Well, I think that those who establish such a project should be held accountable. And I think those who, who grant 
money for it as well. I see a very interesting tendency here. I mean, a lot of my party is very critical towards many, many EU projects throughout the European Union because we see that it it bolsters uh, corruption and it does not lead to uh, long-term sustainable economic growth. Well, the Chinese have another problem. They not only bolster corruption in the countries where they have projects, they use corruption as a tool to pursue their policy, to pursue their projects. For instance, uh, paying professors in in the Balkans to re-review the feasibility of bridges to nowhere, more or less, to accept Money from China of the Belt and Road Initiative is like injecting poison into your society. I hope that as many countries as possible resist that because it's a trap. It will hurt your country in the long term, no matter if you get that road or not. I think the the EU must wake up to this. And I have actually asked the commission about this specific road to nowhere in Croatia. I mean, it's not nowhere. I've been on Hvar. I've been in the uh, Croatian archipelago. It's beautiful. But uh, I don't see the need for a bridge everywhere there. I mean, ferries work quite fine as well, don't they? But uh, I've asked about uh, whether the commission uh, sees that it can take part in uh, projects where uh, the Chinese government has been actively rigging the procurement process in favor of, of its own companies, state-run companies. Of course, the, the answer from commission, the commission should be no. I'm not sure it will, but uh, I will continue highlighting because it's a big problem, especially in Central and Eastern Europe. Charlie, you are one of the leaders who spearheads the EU-Taiwan relations in the European Parliament and calling for the EU-Taiwan Bilateral Investment Treaty. Could you kindly share with us what is the status of your initiative and whether you have received any pushback from China? Yes, it is the first ever European Parliament resolution that directly treats the relations between the European Union and Taiwan, which is a great leap forward. I think that it comes out of the realization that uh, the situation in the Taiwan Strait has changed. Taiwan needs our support in these very challenging times. I also think that uh, the corona pandemic has shown how vulnerable we are to disruptions in, in the value chains that comes from our dependency on, on China. And also, of course, the strength of, of Taiwan's industry and, and their very leading semiconductor industry is, is something that we should uh, build on. Uh, the European Union is the largest source of foreign direct investments in Taiwan already. And I think that could be strengthened even further if we strike a bilateral investment agreement with Taiwan. I think we should look at Taiwan as our partner and China as our rival. That should be very clear in the EU policy. And there's a lot of room for growth here since we don't have bilateral investment agreement already. So I want to further that. And uh, geopolitically, we must engage here because the whole of the Pacific is at stake. Freedom of navigation is to be forgotten if, if China gets its will through. I hope that the European Parliament will pass this resolution this year and that the EU member states in the Council will take its advice. The ambassador of the People's Republic of China to Sweden has responded to this and uh, informed me that all relations with Taiwan should go through Beijing. I note his objection 
and I continue my work. Indeed, it's very commendable in what you're doing and spearheading this principled approach with Taiwan on behalf of the stakeholders from the European continent, specifically focused on this issue here. It's a people that share our commitment to democracy, liberty, human dignity, freedom of religion. It's, It's everything that mainland China is not at the moment. Charlie, the Swedish National Council for Crime Prevention revealed in June that Sweden has among the worst rates of deadly gun violence in Europe. And that is a stark departure from Sweden having been known as an orderly society with its citizens' high respect for law and low crime rates. Swedish journalist Paulina Noiding, in her piece Sweden's New Epidemic, Clan-Based Crime, quotes Mats Lovwing, the deputy national police chief, that there are at least 40 family-based criminal networks or clans of immigrants who came to the country solely for the purpose of organizing and systematizing crime. And they make their money through drug trafficking and extortion and have a great capacity for violence. Charlie, what are your thoughts about the current developments in Sweden and potential solution to tackle organized crime? Is the developments in Sweden is terrible. My country has gone from one of the lowest rates of gun violence to one of the highest in Europe in only one decade. Uh, and it, it reminds me of, of a quote by the late and great philosopher Sir Roger Scruton. And it says that conservatism starts from a sentiment that all mature people can readily share, the sentiment that good things are easily destroyed but not easily created, end quote. Sweden is no longer the country of Pippi Longstocking. We have clans that are in control of our ghettos or vulnerable areas, as the uh, political class prefers to, to call them. And Paulina Noiding, she, she describes how there are regular bombings, hand grenade attacks and shootings. Just last week, there was a murder of a young policeman by a gang member in Gothenburg, which shocked my country. Basically an execution. The officer left his wife, unborn child, and parents behind. And this area, it's one of Sweden's ghettos. And um, you have seen in, in the city of Gothenburg how clans have established checkpoints, roadblocks, where they have controlled every every vehicle that's gone in and out of the area, challenging the monopoly of violence of, of uh, Sweden. The least political leaders of Sweden can do is to honor the memory of this young man who served this country in uniform all his adult life as a soldier, as a police officer, is to restore law and order on Swedish territory and put gang members in prison with long sentences. But on the watch of the Social Democrats, Sweden won't. They have been talking about crushing the gangs for years. Nothing has happened. This murderer of the police officer, he stabbed a man only two years ago on a tram. And he uh, only served one year. This public enemy was then free to roam the streets again. And uh, experts now say that under current legislation, he will be out again in four years. It's sickening. And uh, we conservatives... We want to offer an alternative to this where criminals get what they deserve. I guess Americans that hear about this will be shocked that Sweden is so weak uh, towards brutal violence. But that is the fact. That is where this defund the police, vilifying good men and women that serve in a uniform, that's where it leads us. 
Indeed. Uh, in fact, there are parallels of what we're seeing happening in Sweden with what is emerging in the United States with this whole concept of defunding the police. As you've mentioned, uh, the issue of weakening the rule of law instead of strengthening the rule of law, the issues that we face today of law and order being questioned in some of these cities. In fact, in Chicago, over the 4th of July weekend, there was crime and mayhem uh, with some over 60-some people that were killed or actually injured uh, during this weekend. And uh, a number of individuals died this weekend. Of course, there's a lot of emphasis on George Floyd about a year ago. But the serious issue that we're seeing is that there's crime in all of these cities uh, that are basically led by the, the Democratic city uh, mayors and also governors as well. So it's a lesson for Americans to understand what is happening in Europe and uh, the challenges that we all face. So conservatives actually in Europe and in America are for the law and order. And actually cities and places that are governed by non-conservatives usually have problem with, with law and order. Yes, what need to understand, especially on the left, is that there is no safety, no security without law and order, and our liberties will be gone as well. It'll be anarchy, and it will be those who, who uh, make sure to be most brutal that will win in such a society. And and this is what we see in, in, in places like Gothenburg's ghettos, where shop owners are, are under constant threat. Uh, you know, entrepreneurs not being able to pursue their dreams. Young, I mean, a young girl, 12-year-old girl outside Stockholm last year, she was out with her dog uh, in the evening and she was she was shot to death. A little child, eight-year-old child lying in the bed at night was killed by a hand grenade. Uh, this is going on in Sweden, and, and it seems like instead of addressing this, the left, leftist establishment wants to use statistics to show that there is indeed not a big problem, that uh, highlighting these things are, are populist, populist and bad. Populist is, by the way, a bad word in Sweden. In, in the U.S., it's quite neutral, but in Sweden, it's, it's basically used as a slur. Right, derogatory. And in fact, what you're doing today, Charlie, is to send a signal to the rest of Europe as well as to individuals in the United States about the importance of waking up to these issues that we're all facing at the local level, bringing it to the forefront so that we can uh, focus on ideas and policy issues of strengthening the rule of law and addressing this crime wave. And in our final moments here, Charlie, we just wanted to commend the Sweden Democrats, your leadership, uh, in the European Parliament with the European Conservatives and Reformist Group in standing firm in support of Israel's sovereignty. And of course, uh, we've uh, all been horrified to seeing the over 4,000 rockets that targeted cities in Israel. What is your message to Israel's uh, citizens and the Israelis that uh, certainly appreciate the support of leaders such as yourself and others in the United States that are standing firm with Israel during these days? Well, I know that a lot of Israelis are frustrated with the rhetoric coming from Europe when they are being attacked by terrorist organizations such as Hamas. I just want to say that we Europeans, how would, how would we react if someone sent thousands of rockets against our homes, against our children? We would react as any normal human being and strike back, defend ourselves. 
This is what Israel did. And they are in their full right to do so. And, and they did it in a way that uh, was, was prudent. Uh, I mean, the Europeans, the center-left of the European Union, they asked for a proportional response. Well, what is proportional? Should, uh, should Israel indiscriminately send thousands of rockets against Gaza? Would that be proportionate? I mean, Israel carefully tried to strike Hamas military installations, military leaders. And of course, they cannot do that without, unfortunately, regretfully, civil casualties. Because Hamas, they use humans as shields. I mean, this is the difference. Israel, they send their soldiers in front of the civilian population. But Hamas do the opposite. They put the civilians in front of them to serve as shields. You know, military installations in schools, in hospitals, so on and so forth. And the center-left needs to understand this. But my, my message to Israel is that there are some Europeans that understand it. We thank you so much for standing firm for Israel's sovereignty, Charlie. We are joined by Charlie Weimers, a member of the European Parliament for the Sweden Democrats, and he sits on the European Conservatives and Reformist Group and serves on both the European Parliament's Foreign Affairs Committee and the Civil Liberties, Justice and Home Affairs Committee. Thank you, Charlie Weimers, for joining us from Europe today. Thank you, Charlie. Thank you very much. This is America's Roundtable from Washington, D.C., an initiative of the U.S.-based think tank International Leaders Summit in partnership with Lancer Broadcasting's two FM radio stations in Michigan and the Midwest and Supertalk Mississippi Media's 12 radio stations in the South. We thank you for joining us on America's Roundtable. I'm Joel Adinsami, your co-host, joined by Natasha Sardorj, economist and co-founder of the International Leaders Summit, and our distinguished guest host, Governor Phil Bryant. America's Roundtable from Washington, D.C. brings together leading voices from business, government, media, technology, and the public policy arena. Subscribe to America's Roundtable on Apple Podcasts, Amazon, Spotify, and Fireside. Visit iLeadersSummit.org. iLeadersSummit.org.